0: Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon.
1: In this episode of Being Boss, we're talking cultivating optimism. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club.
0: All right, bosses, Caitlin here works with us behind the scenes here at Being Boss, and you may have heard her on our mini-sodes over at 10 Minutes to Being Boss, and today she's popping in for a minute here to talk about money. Hey, Caitlin. Hey. All right, I have a question. When did you start using FreshBooks Cloud Accounting?
2: Well, as a freelancer, I started using FreshBooks in 2015, and there are so many choices, of course, out there for accounting software, as a contractor, or a freelancer, or solopreneur. So I was super grateful to have a recommendation from some bosses at Being Boss that I trusted.
0: <laughs> that would be us. <laughs> so what surprised you about using FreshBooks?
2: Ugh, just that it's so easy. It didn't force me to do a ton of complicated setup or designing to just send a simple invoice. looks professional. And what's
0: your favorite feature?
2: My favorite FreshBooks feature is being able to create an invoice from the time that I tracked for a client within the same app. It's just, it's so fast and easy. I don't have to do any calculations. I've already tracked my time right there. So I just pull an invoice from that time and send it to the client. And that way I can just stay focused on doing the work. I don't have to feel anxious about setting aside time to send my invoices for the month. It literally takes me a couple minutes.
0: All right. You heard it here, bosses. Freshbooks cloud accounting was designed for creative entrepreneurs just like Caitlin and just like you. Try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash being boss. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section.
1: Today, it's just me and Kathleen, and we're going to be getting real, real with you about what we do when life and work are feeling heavy, because believe it or not, it's not always unicorns and puppies over here.
0: All right, Emily, I want to talk about staying positive. It is... It is something that we really rally and try to do. And right. you use the phrase, don't be a negative Nancy. I think yes. you even wrote it in our book. Yes. And everyone knows about fraudy feelings. And, you know, that comes with negativity. But here's the deal. I think that a lot of creatives, ourselves included, have been kind of taking a beating lately. And I don't know if it's that the world is feeling really heavy. I mean, there's some intense stuff happening on a – you know, national and global level. Um, And it can make what you're doing feel flippant or like you're not doing (laughs) it. Pointless. And even personally, you can start to feel a little hopeless. And so um, it's a struggle. And I know that it's something that we've dealt with. I know that it's something that a lot of our Being Boss community has struggled with. And so I really want to dig into this today because it's been a while since we've talked about cultivating um positive feelings especially in the midst of stuff that feels really heavy
1: yeah this is an important thing to talk about and i will even point out too this is something you and i have been dealing with personally a lot over the past couple of months and same where i think that just everything going on in the outside world starts to seep into the inner workings of your daily life. I think the idea that you can separate the two is not sustainable. Like I don't think you can do that. Um and it can definitely start wearing down on you in other ways and you know, we've experienced this talking to other creatives, like this is fact. And so I'm excited to dive into this too, because I think this is important and very timely conversation and one where we can really bring in some very personal insights and experiences. Um, Because it's been a rough couple of months, I know for me personally, um, and one where I've had to really dive into some being boss practices that I thought I was a pro at and realized that I really needed to go back to practicing what I preach in order to, you know, show up and do the work. And the other thing that comes with being your own
0: boss and being a creative entrepreneur or a side hustler or a freelancer or a small business owner, no matter where you're at, is if you feel like you're constantly butting up against failures and disappointments, which you are, because guess what? That's your job. Like that's part of what comes with the territory of this life that looks so glamorous you know, on the outside, but on the inside, we all know it comes with a lot of work. So, yes, let's dive in. First off, I want to talk about cultivating optimism because I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm slipping into what you see a lot of older people slipping into, which is an attitude of cynicism or even pessimism, or at least maybe some of the older people in my
1: life. Right, or maybe just indifference. Are you becoming curmudgeonly, Kathleen? A little, a little
0: curmudgeon, <laughs> a little a little grumpy. So first off, I want to know, we talk a lot about introverts and extroverts, and so there's, you know, optimists and pessimists, right? Do you
1: consider Did you just yourself... call introverts pessimists?
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I'm saying like that we use those two labels a lot to yes. describe a certain kind of boss. And so I think that I want to bring in and some labels here of optimists and pessimists to I, I I assume that to be boss you have to be an optimist, but I don't this is what I want to explore today. Would you consider yourself an optimist?
1: I think Deep down on a very basic level, yes. And I think you're right. I think for you to be an entrepreneur, you have to be like this ruthless optimist. Like you see a hole in the market and you think you can be the one who fills it. And you think it so strongly that you take a leap. And that's either, you know, quitting your job or changing, you know, your daily routine or whatever it is so that you can support this dream. Like having that dream. I think, defaults you to optimist, at least on a very, like, core level?
0: So I think I'm a pessimist. (laughs) I think that my optimism has been attached to being just naive, almost not Mm. knowing any better. And so I'm so glad that I started my creative career and working for myself whenever I was Kind of too young to know better. So I really don't know if this is an age or maturity thing, but I've seen enough things not work to not want to waste my time on things that don't work. And so I feel like I'm almost at this place where I'm going to say no to most things unless there is a compelling case or evidence or whatever for me to say yes. Whereas before I would jump in feet first saying yes to everything. Um, And that that served me well. And so I'm kind of mourning this grieving, this attitude of optimism that I once had that I just don't have anymore.
1: Yeah, I think experience does dampen just adorable optimism. <laughs> I think I think it does, because you're shown that strategy is required, that some extra forethought or experience um, is required to better, like, concrete that positive outcome. Um, and this is absolutely something that I've been experiencing, too, over the past year, especially, is this idea of Well, and it's something we talk about a lot here, even at Being Boss. On one hand, anything worth having, you have to work really hard for. But I also believe that anything that's right comes easily, if that
0: makes sense. I'm so glad that you said that because a lot of times I don't feel like um, that you have to work hard for anything of value. I mean, there are some things that actually come easy and that's your kind of maybe natural skills or talents. I don't feel like I have to work really hard at I don't know, being a great designer or um I don't have to work really hard at loving my family. Well, sometimes I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? Or whenever you say things like the right opportunity will come to you, like that's a very passive attitude that you're taking to, you know, moving forward in life that doesn't actually require very much effort on your part. It's just sort of a waiting for those things. So. I do now see the um see the juxtapositions or even the the polarities of how it is that we that we show up and work and on one hand working hard to get you know things that are that are great but on the other hand sort of waiting around for the things that are great and that has definitely caused in me a um sort of an inner battle as to am I being optimistic like adorably optimistic um or am I being necessary pessimistic um because sometimes the rules contradict each other can you say that phrase that you said again earlier which one it
0: was it was like a light
1: bulb you said whenever i said that things that are worth having you have to work hard for but also things that are right will come easily
0: that's it things that are right will come easily So that's the energy I want to tune back into because I think that (laughs) that is the kind of optimism. That's the kind of optimism that feels more like alignment rather than just blind faith.
1: Yes. And so let's talk about this alignment then, because if you are operating at a very low vibe and I'm just talking like angry, grumpy, and I think we can all think of someone in our life who is just like an eternal opt or a eternal pessimist and is angry grumpy, then you know what kind of life they're living and you know why it is that way. And it is because they're angry grumpy all the time because that vibe will attract the same thing. Um, on the other hand, you can think of people who are who are eternal optimists, who are always, you know, very happy and like, Jolly, if I can even use that word, those people, even if their conditions are not, you know, what you would want for yourself, um, they're happy with them. And they are attracting more of those good things into your life. So this isn't even like a hardcore, like let's manifest rainbows and unicorns. This is like just look at people in your life and recognize that grumpy people live grumpy lives and happy people live happy lives. And I agree. attuning back into happy, breeding happy um, is definitely one of the things that I want to work more on too because I think it's easy or definitely um, it's... It's easy to say, it's obvious, I think, to say that most of us are feeling a little more low-vibey these days than usual. Or maybe it's just all me and and all my friends, in which case am I the low-vibing problem and I could go off on a legit tangent now. (laughs) Okay, so if
0: you're feeling grumpy and sad, and I've been to some pretty dark places where it's hard to ever see your way out of it. You know, obviously, if you are at a place where you need help, Hopefully you've got people in your life that will say, hey, I see that you're struggling, you need help. If you have enough awareness to know that you need help, um, I would definitely seek that out for sure. But I want to talk about just kind of these daily things that we can do to cultivate positive feelings so that in general, the people that we want to be, like we become, which is happy and jolly and Also, you know, badass or whatever it might be to be able to just roll with the punches whenever they come. Because I don't think that happy, jolly people don't ever experience struggles like anybody else. I just think that they sometimes have more positive
1: experiences than negative ones. And so that's probably right. And I also think they bounce back more easily. I think everyone Mm -hmm. goes down. (laughs) It's just how quickly do you come back up afterwards? Yeah. Okay, so... One of my
0: things I like to do whenever I am feeling grumpy or sad is to do more fun things. So to eat the kind of food that I like, to maybe go for a walk in nature, to do the things I imagine a fun, happy person would do and just do those. So I kind of almost behave as if I am a happy, positive person. And then usually my brain starts to follow suit.
1: Yeah. One of the ways that I deal with cranky moods um, is self-care. And my like choice is taking baths. And I found myself taking lots of baths this summer. Um, But there's just something to me about like being in water, like filling it full of Epsom salts to light candles and just sit there Quietly, it's like it relaxes my body. I think water has like some magic qualities in there that help, you know. I've heard Heard even people say whenever, you know, your kids are throwing a temper tantrum or whatever, like just add water is something that I've heard where either they need to hydrate, which don't I know I usually need just some hydration whenever I'm feeling my most grumpy or um, put them in a bath or throw them into a pool or whatever it is. And they will likely end up being significantly more happy. I think that applies For adults as well, sometimes whenever I am feeling the most grumpy, I just want to get in a bath, and that seems to help me a ton.
0: I love that. Sometimes whenever I'm taking a bath, I visualize as the tub is draining, I stay in until it's totally drained, and I visualize all of my bad vibes off of my body, out of my body, and just going down the drain. So visualization is another thing that I really like to do whenever it comes to cultivating positive feelings. And I just am more visual by nature. So I might go into a meditation and just visualize um what I would look and feel like as a happier, more productive boss.
1: I agree. I think and I think here it's just it's finding little ways to to help yourself um un- until you need help from someone else. Um another way that I do this is I just go to bed. That is my favorite way to deal with a really crabby day is just make it until bedtime, even if bedtime needs to be like 7 p.m., and go to bed and sleep it off. I always feel better in the morning. This is also one of those things that parenting has taught me. If my kid is having an awful day, if I can just get her to bedtime and let her sleep it off or make her take a nap, she will wake up a completely different person. We definitely work through so many things while we Are sleeping, and we release so much stress while we are sleeping. Sometimes I just need to get myself in bed. Mm, That's a good one.
0: So, one of the things that I've been working on is assuming the best case scenario. So, again, a a pessimist will always go to the worst case scenario how will this thing not work? How will it fail? And instead, just almost interrupting that thought pattern because I do think that it's a practiced neural pathway that has just been grooved a little bit and really assuming the best case scenario. What if this launch is amazing? I think the place where I struggle with this one though is coming up against disappointment. I think that I'm trying to protect myself from being disappointed or feeling like a failure if I'm going to assume the best case scenario. So, What do you, what do you do about that? Like, how do you stay positive and assume that this launch is going to be amazing or that this book is going to be a bestseller? And then if it's not, not feeling like a total jackass.
1: I love that you assume I have an answer for this question. (laughs) (laughs) Because I don't know. I mean, I've had plenty of failures and every single one of them fucking hurts. Like, fact. That is absolute fact. Um... So I like to try, I like to prepare myself for both, I guess. So it's not just looking at the best case scenario, but it's also looking at the worst case scenario and understanding it's probably going to fall somewhere in the middle. And it's probably that I think that, that it always does. (laughs) But that's not what we're talking about today. It's For me, it's about per, just preparing yourself for all the options. And again, that doesn't mean that failures don't hurt because they do. And doesn't mean they won't come because they likely will. Um, but it does mean that you can understand the potential whichever way it falls. So for me, I'm usually pretty good at talking through the best and the worst case. Um, and, and not like the worst case in the like, I'm going to be a crazy cat lady. Like with, you know what is what is your illustration cat lady or bag lady with a pushing a buggy <laughs> oh have- yeah
0: yeah my very worst case scenario is that i have a grocery cart full of cats
1: right that so I'm pushing like around. not going quite there with my worst case scenario but really trying to be super super reasonable and then preparing yourself as best you can
0: So another thing that I've been really practicing and leaning hard on is our intention practice. And so you and I are both pretty good about really tuning into our values and intentions and really picking one word or mantra to really focus on. And for me lately, I've been feeling a little grumpy and maybe even self-indulgent and just thinking okay, I need to get out of my own head. What do, What is my intention here? And coming back to a word that's been coming up for me a lot lately is the word of service. And I don't necessarily love that word. It feels a little like self-sacrificing to me. I, maybe not. Anyway, but just to be of service, right? And so if I'm just trying to be of service whenever we're creating, for example, our CEO day kit or whenever we're hosting a bunch of bosses in New Orleans or whenever I'm teaching a branding workshop or even whenever I'm coming into meetings with my team, if I can just focus on being of service it seems to eradicate any failures or disappointments. It doesn't matter. And it brings me back into the journey of entrepreneurship and why I'm doing this in the first place. So I keep coming back to that and it's been feeling really good. And it doesn't mean that I don't have hard days. It just means that I can still practice this value or intention of service even amongst the hard days, and maybe it's even my job to make somebody else's day a little bit better. And so that's been feeling really good to me lately. That's a good one.
1: That's a really good one. I
0: also think that as like a little sister archetype, so I'm a little sister and I definitely embody that vibe where, you know, kind of just a little spoiled, maybe a little... I need the other people to take care of me to step into this role of service and taking care of other people is also a little bit of a twist on what my experience has been thus far. And so that's fun, too. It's almost a new challenge. And so I found that sometimes I'm able to cultivate positivity whenever I have a new challenge to tackle that doesn't feel completely overwhelming.
1: That's good. And I will say, too, maybe this is my like oldest sibling here. Um, one of the things that I've been focusing on a lot lately, because I've been, again, I've been feeling, feeling pretty like battered, I suppose, um, is trying to see the lesson in everything to understand that everything is happening for a reason. And I don't know what I don't know yet, where I don't even know what the other side of things is going to look like, or, I don't know how much better my life is going to be because, you know, I'm losing something or because something isn't working out right. Um, so I've been trying to focus on just sort of like trusting the process, which sounds really gross in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so trusting the process and really trying to see the lesson and the like, and, Pull positivity out of it um, to try to spin it on its head because I think you can look at any situation in a myriad of ways. I think one is the worst way possible, which I think most of us probably lean towards whenever something bad is happening. Um, and the alternative, or I guess the polar opposite of that, is to look at it in the best way possible, and that is that it is here to serve some higher good that you don't even know yet. Um, So I guess I've been p- practicing some like faith and trust like never before.
0: I like that you mentioned that because one of the things I was thinking about is the difference between being realistic and being a pessimist. And so I remember whenever I was a teenager, I had a grumpy – one of my – One of my brother's friends who I admired, he was a little bit older than me. He was super grumpy and wore a trench coat and combat boots. And he was always like, I'm not a pessimist. I'm a realist.
2: And so I kind of
0: equated like being real with being negative or grumpy. And what I'm hearing you say, though, is that you get to choose how you look at the world. Right. And so you could be a realist or you could be realistic and through your worldview, that could either be very negative or potentially positive. And then you, you thoughts are things. And they will manifest themselves. And so if you can continue to think the good thoughts, more good things are going to happen.
1: Right. Or even along those lines, if you think something is the worst thing ever, it will be (laughs) like it will. It will cause so many more bad things to happen, even like it will become the worst thing that ever happened to you. Like let's look at
0: Disney World as an example.
1: For some people, (laughs) that's the best experience in the world. For some people, it's their own personal hell. Right? And that is the same place seen by the eyes of two just different perspectives. Right? And on the other side of that, if you look at, you know, a really shitty situation as the best thing that could happen for you, and you'll laugh at it in a couple of years, all of those things, then you probably will.
0: Okay. Oh, the final thing I want to mention whenever it comes to cultivating positivity, that's really helped me a lot. And it comes from our book is some list making magic. So I've been doing a five minute journaling practice where every morning I just list a few things I'm grateful for. And so this puts me into this place of seeing the world through a positive lens So there are some days where I'm literally writing down, I am grateful for the sun that's shining on my piece of paper right now. It might be little like that, or it might be bigger. Like I'm grateful for my health. And it really just, what it is for me, and I used to not really resonate with gratitude practices like this, but I think what it is for me is that it's really allowing me to, yeah, it's almost like putting on a new pair of glasses. Like just seeing the world through a different lens. So it puts me in that place. And then I write down, um, three things that will make me success, make me feel successful today. And I picked this up from Tim Ferriss, I think his book, Tools of Titans. And I think of just three small things. So whenever, especially whenever I'm coming up against a lot of failures and disappointments, if I can just list three things that will make me feel successful, and it might even be going for a walk or eating a good meal or crushing it in a meeting or just even attending the meeting, right? Right then I am setting myself up as someone who is successful, even if it's these teeny tiny successes. And that starts to attract even bigger successes. And then the last thing that I write is kind of some affirming mantras. So like I am radiant or I am articulate and kind of going back to some of these intentions and values and just reaffirming that like, okay, I am these things, or I am a positive, happy person, Sometimes that can feel a little bit more aspirational than actual. So this is what I love about the practice is it goes from actual things in the world that you're grateful for to projecting what will make you feel successful to like even bigger aspirations of these affirmations.
1: That's great. And it's funny, I was literally thinking about this practice of yours yesterday because, you know, similar where I'm not as high vibing right now as I feel like I usually am. Um, And I was thinking about, you know, what can I do to make myself feel more boss, I guess, if we need to go there. And I thought about this practice because you've shared it with me before. And I think it really resonates with some of the things that I need to be doing a little more consistently and systematically even, like a daily practice where you're getting up and doing it. Um, And I think that I want to say for anyone listening to this is that you have to find what will work for you. And sometimes that requires you trying lots of things. Guys, I've done lots of things over the past couple of months. um, And I found the things that I know work most consistently for me. And you're right, it's doing fun things. For me, that involves like being with friends, being with people who know me and who I'm going to have fun with. Um, It helps me remove myself from from any sort of angst or anxiety or stress that I'm feeling, at least for those couple of hours. And sometimes all you need is those couple of hours. Um, And for me, it's going to bed or taking a bath. But I do also think that I need a little extra something. And I love the sound of this journaling practice.
0: Another list making magic thing that I've been doing lately is writing just a bucket list. So it's been a long time since I've wanted anything because I've just kind of been in survival mode with moving across the country, trying to raise a four-year-old, running some businesses. And so it's been a while since I've really been able to daydream And I've started a list of a hundred things that I want to do. So whether that's eating sushi in Tokyo or climbing Machu Picchu or going to Kilimanjaro, like just different grand, big things, but also little things. And really coming back to that practice is putting me in this place of almost desire, of wanting to have desire again. And then that cultivates um, really positive feelings in that, I don't know, I can just Tackle some things and cross things off my list. And that feels really good too. And for me, I know anytime I make a big list like this, and I think it's happened for you, Emily, as well, those things come true. And it brings me into this place of trust and faith that feels really easy. Like it doesn't feel like a challenge of trust and faith. It's like, oh, I wrote it down. So now it's most likely going to happen.
1: I love this, except (laughs) I don't think I could do this right now. I think that's one of those practices that you have to be in the right place for. And I think if someone – and actually, maybe I could do it now. I don't think I could have done it maybe a month or two ago. Like you're in
0: it too deep. You're in your dark place. Too
1: deep to be able to really be that aspirational or to see really big goals and think that they would ever be achievable. Um, So I think that's one of those things. I think all of these are the kinds of things where you just have to know Um, what's right for you in this moment. If you're really feeling like you are in a dark place, um, there are going to be some things that will trigger you. I think that would probably trigger me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there are going to be things that would actually nurture you. So
0: I want to talk about triggers a little bit whenever it comes to fraudy feelings or just even feeling in general grumpy or negative. Um, For me, I've been falling into the comparison trap lately like oh that's for them it's not for me so for example something as little as i've been wanting to paint again yes and i just can't help but look at instagram accounts of fine artists and say oh well that's for them but i can't be a quote unquote fine artist i can't pick up a paintbrush again that's not my identity that's not who i am but who says? I don't know. But just falling into this comparison trap or even um, on another scale of – and it's probably funny even for someone listening to this to be like, wait a second. you?" I bet people – I bet there are some people listening to this who fall into the comparison trap with us. Like, oh, Emily and Kathleen have it all figured out. They've got this book deal. They've got these businesses. <laughs> yeah. And we we just feel like we're like doggy paddling across a giant ocean at times. Um, So – Anyway, it's it's just funny to say this, that I'm falling into a comparison trap where I just see success as being something for other people.
1: Sometimes I, I feel that as well. And one of the ways that I deal with that is putting on my blinders. Like when I'm feeling really, really down, I will not open Instagram for a couple of days or I will unfollow people. I will go on an unfollow spree. For sure, right? Anybody's whose life is looking a little too glamorous, <laughs> they're out of my feed because in those moments it's not inspiration, it's you know, jealousy even and anger. <laughs> All kinds yes. of dark things. And I think I think this is where, you know, being very mindful and self aware comes in. And, you know, as, as I'm working through my summer <laughs> Um, that's one of the things that keeps coming up for me is when I'm so grateful that I am as self-aware as I am, because it's really helped me sort of, um, sort of cut off some like nosedives before they even happen for sure. Um, but also sometimes I wish I were a little less self-aware <laughs> in that, can I just wallow for a minute without realizing that I'm probably manifesting some really nasty shit or whatever it may be. Um, but I do, I do come out of it understanding that being very mindful and self-aware is definitely an advantage um, that you have whenever, whenever you start getting a little gloomy.
0: So I want to talk about jealousy and inspiration because I think that these are two sides of one coin and one can be incredibly productive and one can be incredibly damaging and toxic. And so I'm with you on unfollowing, but I've also, you know what? I think I underestimated inspiration. And I know that a lot of bosses will come to us and say, how do I get inspired? And we're like, you don't need to be inspired. You, be inspired. you just need to do the work. Um. And so I had an experience recently, and I might even end up negating myself here in talking this out, but I hadn't an experience recently where I was like, okay, I want to become a fine artist, right? What does that look like? And really just forgetting about what that in picture looks like and getting into the inspiration of creating. And so even just this last weekend, I was up at a cabin with my friend Liz and he's like, hey, let's create some nature art. It's temporary. It's going to be washed away by the rain and by the lake and it's no big deal. But we created this, these fun little vignettes out of seashells and crab claws and driftwood. And it was so much fun. I was so inspired just by the act of creating and I went ahead and documented it and just really feeling that inspiration again of, oh, I can also still see the end outcome that I want, which is creating even cooler stuff and photographing even more amazing stuff. But it starts with these really small little steps. But how do you spark that inspiration like a little match to then create that wildfire of a body of work, right? And it does really start small. And so I got inspired to strike that match, but it took a little bit of Almost accountability and collaboration, like pulling my friend in and saying, hey, let's do this thing just for fun. And so that's something I want to really cultivate even on my own, though, whenever it comes to picking up a paintbrush. Like, how do I strike that match of just picking up the paintbrush? So one thing I've been thinking about is even just getting, instead of buying a huge canvas made out of European linen and buying my amazing oil paints, is just getting a sketchbook and a few, like, watercolor pens.
1: You know, and just starting there. Right? You can definitely start small. And the thing that I want to point out here too is, you know, the thing that we've said so, so often is you don't need to be inspired. You just need to do the work. But I do think for you to be inspired, you have to leave the work behind. I think you have to like – get away from your to-do list. For me, it's getting away from my computer. Um, It's going out into nature. You're right. Or even like sometimes it's scrolling through Pinterest on my phone in bed. Like that can definitely be the place where it happens. Um, But it's not in the usual routine, I don't think, where some of your biggest moments of inspiration can come. I do say that with the caveat that, you know, I have been designing some new things for the being boss website, hint, hint. Um, And I've been feeling very inspired to do those within my to do list at my computer to, you know, create these new, these new sections of, um, of the little online home that we are creating. Um, So you can find inspiration, but I also think that is in place because I've made finding inspiration away from my to do list a priority.
0: What are some other ways that you find inspiration? So for me, even um, like you said, Pinterest, for me, it's going on Pinterest and then actually making the meal that I've pinned. Or I even saw this thing It's so silly. I feel really silly saying this out loud, but I saw someone suggest um, basically attacking your spouse with water balloons whenever they come home from
1: work. I (laughs) told you that. Oh, you did. (laughs) (laughs) That was me. Wait, did you do that? (laughs) I did. To to David? Yeah, Lily and I did that to David when she was probably three or four, and it's still one of her favorite memories. For sure. And I told you that about a year ago or so. That's what, so I just did it. Did I tell you that I did it? You did tell me that you did it. Did we already podcast about this? No, we haven't. Okay, so (laughs) you told me about it,
0: and I felt really silly, like, because maybe I didn't come up with the idea. Right. Right. And so, but then I actually did it and it was so much fun. And I just think about Fox having that memory now of yes. bombarding my husband when he came home from work with water balloons and how fun that was. And also my mom and nephew were in town. So it was like a whole thing. Anyway, it was so much fun. And so for me, it's not just reading about the inspiring thing or looking at the inspiring thing, but actually recreating it or doing it. And it's almost looking at it more as practice versus, I don't know. I can make a big deal out of things in my head. Like it needs to be a big special deal (laughs) and just do it.
1: Yes, for sure. One of the ways that I've been, well... The forest has been calling me a lot lately, a lot. And so has like large bodies of water. And so for me, it's been getting... You definitely
0: need to come to Michigan then.
1: <laughs> I'm on my way. It's <laughs> definitely been getting, uh, getting into nature. And again, not like looking at nature photos and not like planning out, you know, my bucket list of dream vacation spots. It's been going to the woods. It's been going for hikes and sitting on rivers, um, and really making it a point and a priority to get out in nature on a level that I haven't felt this in a really long time. And I always know that whenever I feel this, it's time for me to do it. It's actually past time for me to do it. So I've been listening and I felt significantly better. And even like if you're legit feeling depressed and gloomy, um you know, going out in nature is proven to make you happier. Like trees make you happier. Um, and I've definitely found that to be true for me. All right. So coming
0: back to Friday feelings and those sorts of triggers. So the comparison trap, I also think feeling like everyone is doing what you're doing can be a little defeating.
1: Oh, my God. There are so many podcasts in the world right now. So many boss podcasts, for example. <laughs> or for me, it's people, you know, who are doing candles and crystals. Um, I know for you, all the branders, all the yeah. graphic designers yeah. and the course creators and all of the things. And I think I think about this a whole lot. You know, whenever you and I got on the Internet, For me, 12 years ago, for you, like eight, nine years ago, like to do business online, there weren't that many of us. Like I almost feel like I knew everyone. <laughs> you know, right. I don't think that's actually true. It was a,
0: it was a slim phone book.
1: <laughs> yes, it was a very slim phone book and your voice was able to be louder. Um, or you were just like you were a bigger fish in a smaller pond, I suppose. And you know, twelve years later, sometimes I look at the internet and I think, What the fuck is the point? point like there are so many people here and I, like you can just as easily argue the opposite where there are so many people of course you should be here this is where like you get to choose which yep. way you view it um but I have been getting some serious fraudy feelings around the internet lately and by showing up in this place and putting myself out there um and it's one of those things where I don't plan on making any big shifts at the moment but I've definitely thought I'm gonna delete it all Like, what if I were to delete my Instagram and, like, get rid of all of my websites and just, like, you know, I don't know, crochet in a corner somewhere? I don't really know what I would do, but I think about those things because saturated market can definitely bring up some serious frotty feelings.
0: Yeah, so I'm tackling this in two ways. One is that I'm trying to create really relevant and concise content. So specifically in writing, I'm trying to make sure that all of my blog posts are incredibly helpful and of service. And then whenever it comes to podcasting, making sure that the podcast that I'm recording is incredibly honest. So for example, this is why we're talking about fraudy feelings and comparison traps and negativity, because it's something that we're actually truly struggling with. And as leaders, we don't want to be doom and gloom, right? Like we want to um, we want to cultivate optimism and positivity in other people, but I think we also need to clear out some junk a little bit of our own. And I think that it can help other people to clear out some of their junk to see that even we we're junk. struggling. Yeah, we've all got <laughs> junk. Everyone does. And it's helped me to even see um, you know, behind the scenes of some incredibly powerful creatives and influencers and to see that they have junk too. So anyway, for me, creating really helpful and really honest content has been helping me combat this feeling of everyone's doing it. And then the other thing that I've been doing is just being really more intentional about on my Instagram, for example, of creating the feed that I want. Like I want to look at my feed and I want it to be beautifully consistent and have a color story and to be reflecting the life that it is that I want to be living. And so instead of thinking about the numbers and the likes and whatever, I'm just thinking about creating something for myself that feels good.
1: Your feed is looking fly as fuck, just so you know. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at it yesterday going check kathleen you're doing it yeah i'm um, doing it and not like and again not like you need me to tell you that you're doing it but i noticed i, I noticed that i noticed
0: well and it's just taking maybe five more seconds in vsco or visco cam th- yes. that that's the app that i use to uh-huh. edit my photos to just edit my photos (laughs) just a little bit and then they can all look beautiful together it's
1: you know it's not that hard it's it's not that hard and I think I think that's something even to note there is like all these little shifts they don't have to be that hard sometimes I get really bogged down and like you know maybe what we need to do is shift our whole business model no what you probably need to do is just reword the header in that email or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's just little bitty shifts that make all the difference. One of the things that I've been trying to really wrap my head around and make sure that I'm not falling into the shadow trap is not getting too bent out of shape around, um, what's the word? Propriety. I guess is the word I'm looking for. So this idea that just because I said it doesn't mean someone else can't say it. I recently saw something on an Instagram account of another boss, something that you said in an episode that they turned into a graphic and then did not credit you with. Uh And someone in the comments credited you and being boss. Like it was a little passive aggressive and I very much so appreciated it. And it kind of got me bent out of shape, but also kind of not in that I've never really let things like that bother me too terribly much. too terribly much because they understand the nature of these things um but in my gloominess I'm definitely triggered significantly more easily and I had to really sort of bring in this idea of not being too wrapped up in propriety and having an idea that is just mine and thinking that I need to get paid for it because I it's funny <laughs> our lawyer friend Autumn gets really annoyed at me when I start talking about the copyleft. And so imagine if you have the cop- a, a copyright, this thing that you say that you own, the copyleft is a whole like school of thought that you don't own anything that you say basically, or you don't own anything that you do or that you've created because it's all a cultivation of inspiration that you've gathered from everyone before you. Um, And so I'm not going on that end, all the way to that end of the spectrum by any means. Um, But I do definitely, um, I feel some alignment, I think, with that point of view. Um, But I also am a business owner. So Maybe I skew a little right. I definitely lean more copy
0: left, probably. Like, I don't want someone copying and pasting my blog post or my book or, I don't know, the my positioning statement for my podcast and turning it into their business. I think it's whenever someone starts profiting off of my content or the things that I've said. Um, that's a little frustrating. But even then, I don't know. I'm definitely of the, even in my operating agreements with all my business partners you included we don't have we we don't have a non compete and because we're constantly sharing information back and forth and i make sure to credit the things that you say that you always say that we know that you always say but also there've been times where someone's credited something that you've said as my name or vice versa something that that i've said with your name and also i don't care because I don't know. I feel like we're family in that way. But.
1: And we say all this to say that being boss is trademarked. And if (laughs) you use our shit, we'll come after you. (laughs) And here's the deal is, yes, that the things
0: that I've trademarked, I've trademarked for that reason. But there's also a lot of things that are,
1: I'm not saying,
0: I I think that That you'll be
1: a little copy left on. I'm a
0: little copy left is definitely where I lean.
1: Right. So, but I also say all this to say that. I know that I am a little depressed or feeling a little a little subpar whenever I do let things like that get to me a little more okay,
0: than usual. Okay, so that's interesting. Is where that's more of a symptom, yeah, of fraidy feelings or depression versus something that you're actually riled up about. Absolutely, that's a really good point because I definitely have that stuff too that are more symptoms versus actually caring. Self-aware
1: as fuck, guys. Um, So so I want to talk about this, like, other fraudy feeling thing that I've been dealing with. And if we want to get real woo, this literally came from some research that I was doing into some, um, into a Neptune transit that both Kathleen and I are both dealing with at the moment. Um, And whenever I was reading this, it hit home so hard. And that is this idea or thought of what is it all going to matter in 500 years anyway? Okay. I,
0: I, a symptom for me is that I think about death constantly. So, I'm about to get real deep. But, um, (laughs) I think about it constantly and it can either inspire me to just pick up the paintbrush, who cares, we're gonna die, or what does it matter? What Mm -hmm. is even the point? Yeah. You know? And so, I definitely have to choose the lens through which I see death and thinking about it to be a more positive one and not a negative one that will take me to a dark place real, real, real fast. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I'm even getting a funny feeling in my stomach talking about it because I think about it so much.
1: Right. So this one for me is definitely around creating the next thing or sometimes even fucking getting out of bed for sure. (laughs) We're like... It doesn't matter if I don't check off my to-do list today because (laughs) what's it all going to matter in 500 years anyway?
0: But I can also (laughs) see you being in a place where you're like, I'm going to make such an impact. I'm going to create
1: a legacy that lasts... People are going to be saying my name in 500 years. I'm not there yet. You're not. Maybe that's how I'll I'll bounce back in a couple of weeks is I'm going to come back and blow I mean, I even think about my
0: love for Beyonce, right? Like, Beyonce has made an impact. People are going to... Maybe know her name in 500 years. See, even then, like, right? They, okay, if they know it, they might not, it might be the same way that Cleopatra is for us, where like, or I don't know, you love Egypt, so you <laughs> might, that might evoke more emotions for you. But like, whenever I hear the name Cleopatra, like, it doesn't evoke any sort of fandom. That I have right. for Beyonce. If that that's what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. Or, okay, so this is what, 2018, 500 years ago would have been 1518? I don't know who the hell was doing anything in 1518.
0: Like, I don't know who the queen was of right? whatever.
1: When did Shakespeare live? I'm Googling this right now. I don't think 1518. We're about to find out. Hold on. Oh, shit. I'm not that far off. Oh. Um, 1564 to 1616. So like 400, 450 years ago, Shakespeare. So like Shakespeare, guys, in 500 years, are you going to be Shakespeare? No,
0: (laughs) most likely not. This is what I love about Seth Godin is that he's so just of the frame of mind that like, you know what? It's like winning the lottery whenever it comes to having this grand success. Like, Shakespeare or Beyonce or anyone, right? Right. And so all you can do is to do the work that you want to be doing. And I get the impression that he wants people to be prolific in that work, like just make as much as you can and then see what sticks. So that's kind of the mind frame that I'm of. But then it's almost like, just do the work that makes you happy And that makes you feel aligned and then see what comes
1: of it. Right. And so the flip side of what is it all going to matter in 500 years is what is it going to matter today to you? Mm. Like, like, like if you are here living this day today, like this is your life right here, Mm. right now, what do you want to do with it? And that's literally all that matters.
0: So that's where I keep coming back to if I can just do one thing that has impact, it's probably going to be writing a blog post versus, I don't know, checking off some of the things on my to-do list. You know, and so I will say a lot of my tasks, you've probably noticed because you get to see all that stuff behind the scenes. I've been bumping them and a lot of times I'm bumping them because I'm doing my most creative work first. And that comes with a little bit of sacrifices. It means that there are some tactical things that aren't getting done on time because I'm serving my creativity first. I'm writing that blog post, I'm recording that episode, or even just getting
1: aligned to come into the conversation in a positive place. Don't feel guilty about it, because I'm doing the same thing. Yay! <laughs> and partly because I have to bump your mind because you're bumping yours. <laughs> oh. Oh. But I'm also feeling in this place where I can't just show up and slog. Like if you want any quality work from me, I'm going to have to do the work that I want to do. And so um so I've been doing it but also no one's noticed. Like I've noticed because I see yours. I don't think the teams noticed that I haven't done – that I've been pushing mine at all. They haven't been noticing that you've been pushing yours. Like the world is still – the world is still going. Um, So I think that's really important too. Again, self-awareness, like knowing what it is that you need to show up and do. I mean this is definitely how I've been able to get through the past couple of months Um, is just consistently checking in as much as I don't want to and I really don't like it and all of these things. I know it's for a greater good. And it puts me in a position to make the decisions every day that will put me in a better mood than not. Even if that's as simple as pushing a task till tomorrow.
0: Right. All right. This has been a really great therapy
1: session. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I agree. I feel better already. Already. What
0: what are some action steps that we can share whenever it comes to... And even just being committed to being positive. Like, what are some tactical things that either we can practice or that maybe our Being Boss community can start putting into place or even just thought forms? So for mine, it's probably been lately um, this idea that small but significant changes add up. So that journaling practice that I mentioned earlier, it didn't fix me overnight by any means. It took probably four months for me to start to see that it was making a difference.
1: I think, I think that gratitude practice, if I can even break that down to like the one that I know would impact me the most and the one that I've seen impact others too, it's a gratitude practice. And whether that's like praying in the morning or at night before you go to bed, or if that's literally writing it down, because that's how I have to do it too, is like pen to paper. Write it down. Whatever you need to do to express and to bring your vibrations up to gratitude as often as you can, but at least once a day, do that thing. Um, But then also, go outside. Go
0: outside. I think outside is huge. And then also a social component because I realize that anytime – you were mentioning earlier hanging out with your friends. Anytime I'm hanging out with my friends and laughing until I'm crying – It is some good medicine. So there is definitely something to that is call a friend, FaceTime a friend, go to a coffee shop, meet up, go for a walk in nature together. Do what you got to do to hang out with some people.
1: Absolutely. And then I think my final one is get help in whatever way that you can. I have probably asked for help more often in the past three or four months than I have maybe in the past three or four years combined. Um, And it was hard to do. It's still hard to do. It will always, I think, probably be hard to do, at least for me, but it's important. And so whether that is... You know, for me, you and I have been having plenty of extra conversations over the past couple of months So sometimes as easy as saying, hey, Kathleen, can we talk about this thing? Or if it's, you know, sometimes I've told David, like, I need to go to the woods this week and I need to make you or I need you to make that happen. Like, figure out what trail we're going to, when we're going and take me there, please. (laughs) Or whatever it may be. Um, I've also been getting David to do some extra grocery shopping for me because I just I need to like. Not sometimes, or whatever it may be, Um, asking for help is imperative in whatever way you need to. Yeah, and I want to make
0: sure not to gloss over the mental health aspect of this because I have certainly received help on a medical level. So I've gone to a doctor, I've been given a prescription, I've gone to therapy really in that more traditional way. And that has been incredibly helpful. Um, A new podcast that you all should check out is Jen Gotch Is Okay Sometimes. So Jen Gotch is the founder and CEO of Bando and she's become a mental health advocate, but she shares her story in a really approachable and relatable and often humorous way that kind of doesn't feel so deep or heavy. It's not a scary podcast to listen to. And she shares so many um, practical tactics for getting help. And she explains what her therapy experiences have been like. So I really love that podcast if you want to dig a little bit deeper into that as well.
1: Agreed. Agreed. All right, Kathleen, it was very good to sit down and have this conversation with you. And just to like sort of recap, Kathleen and I have... Have been going through some fun shit, <laughs> both together, together and separately. And part of it is just being parents. Um, but also a lot of it is, you know, being entrepreneurs and business owners. And we've definitely been able to lean on each other to get through it. Um, and I hope that everyone listening to this is also getting through it as well. I hope that we were able to lay out some thoughts and options and some tactics for you to to pull yourself out of any gloom that you're feeling and just create the thing because if I've learned anything over the past couple of months it's that creating if it doesn't heal you though I think it will, it'll heal someone else too. And by heal, Emily means heal. <laughs>
0: All right. I want to end this by saying um, not do the work and be boss, but go take a walk and take a nap. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Hey, bosses. I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focus planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn
1: more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. If you're looking for more help in being boss of your work and life, come check out our website where you can find episode show notes, browse our archives, and access free resources like worksheets, trainings, quizzes, and more. It's all at www.beingboss.club. Do the work. Be boss.